This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Well, I love the history of this game, and when I got to the squad, uh, Chicago was beating us on the all-time record. And now we're up by eight, I believe. So that does mean a lot to me. We're back with more of the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook pregame show on Sports Radio 670 The Score with Molly, Patrick Manley, and Anthony Heron. Brought to you by Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook app today. Yes, indeed. It's the pregame presented by Bet Rivers, the official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers app today. We've got Patrick Manley and Anthony Heron, and we are delighted to welcome in our friend Wayne Larravee. He, of course, the radio play-by-play guy of the Packers and uh, does a ton of Big Ten. You've seen Wayne doing everything, for God's sake. And he joins us on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Wayne, how are you? Great to catch up. Molly, it's great to catch up with you and hear your voice. Hope all is well. We're doing great, and we just heard Aaron Rodgers there. Boy, he's done pretty well in this rivalry. He's pretty much put a stamp on it and made it his own. Yeah, he really has. I mean, um, you know, he gets up for this game. He understands the rivalry. Uh, Maybe like most people today don't, but it's an important game for him, and he's had some big moments in this series against the Bears. And we've seen it various times. For as long as as Aaron Rodgers has been the the Packers QB, it's not the first time he's had to break in some young wide receivers. What were your impressions of of some of the misfires that happened in week number one? Oh, yeah, totally expected, Anthony. I mean, when you look at uh, their receiving core, it's interesting. You know, last year they they got hammered by the Saints in the opener uh, down in Jacksonville, 38-3. And the next four games, they targeted – Devontae Adams, 54 times. He caught passes for 534 yards and a couple of touchdowns. But that's how they got their offense back on track with that great player. They don't have that now. And so I think what you're going to see here is that the running backs are the playmakers in this offense, and they're going to have to come to the fore. If the offense is going to catch a rhythm, it's going to be pretty much through Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. That's the appearance. That's what it looks like to me. Now, will they get the other receivers on track, yeah, they'll certainly try to do that. Um, uh, hit a couple of shots uh, downfield a little bit. Uh, Christian Watson has good deep speed. You might look for him on Kendall Gordon. Um, you know, Bobby Tunyon, the tight end, is a reliable target for Rodgers. Uh, they'll get this thing on track, but it'll be different than the way they got it on track last year. Wayne, looking at this team and seeing the offensive line and all the injuries they have up there, how big of a concern is that for you this week? And what do you see the O-line looking like this week as far as personnel? Well, Elton Jenkins is um, up for the game. So okay. he's on the active list for this game, and that's a big piece right there. Um, he'll probably go in and play right tackle. Um, Yash Nyman on the other side, that will go a long way to helping solidify things on that offensive line. It was a little shaky last week, to say the least. Yeah, Um Alan Lazard back too, so you know I I I guess in the old days you would you would be joy overjoyed if they threw the ball to Lazard because they didn't throw it to Devontae Adams. But with Adams gone, this is the guy that everyone expects to step up and be the man. 
Yeah, Molly, uh, the, the pseudo number one receiver. Um, and we'll see how that pans out. But Ellen Lazard had a great camp. He really did look the part. And then somebody stepped on his foot, and uh, he missed the last week of training camp and then missed last week's game. So he's come back from a pretty uh, pretty good foot injury and is now healthy. I talked to him in the locker room on Friday, and um, he seems ready to go. Uh, you know, again, I, I think that's a guy that Rodgers is familiar with, can throw the football to. Randall Cobb is the ultimate Bears killer. I mean, that is documented through the decades. Uh, he's one of the, the all-time great Bears killers, and he's out there as well. So there are a couple of the guys now that Rodgers certainly feels comfortable with and has history with, and I think that's important. Great Wayne Larravee here with us on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. With the amount of pressure that Rodgers was under from the Vikings, did, what phase of Green Bay did you feel like contributed to – the pressure more was it him not necessarily timing things up well with the receivers or was it this this kind of banged up and and somewhat inexperienced offensive line that broke down more i would say a combination of all the above it's football so it's never one thing as you guys know it's never one thing if it was one thing we'd fix it we go on but it's it's more than that yeah the offensive line some of the inexperience on the line the vikings certainly have an excellent defensive front seven as you guys will see soon enough um, Rodgers is pressured on almost 30% of his dropbacks. And, uh, you know, that's way up from where he was last year, 20%. Now, part of pressure is not only your offensive line. Uh, that's not where all the blame goes because, you know, there are times when Rodgers will have to hold the ball because nobody's getting open. With Devontae Adams last year, you had the ultimate receiver who could get open at the top of the route. He was open at the snap of the ball at the line of scrimmage. He was that good. Um, so Rodgers didn't see as much pressure because he always had a place to go with the ball. Now that's a little bit different. You don't have guys who get open that quickly, and therefore some pressure precipitates. Some of it's not from the offensive line, a porous offensive line, but some of it's just from the fact that Rodgers has to maybe take a little bit longer to find an open receiver than he did a year ago. All right, Wayne, let's talk about another receiver. Justin Jefferson for the Minnesota Vikings last week went off. How much was it, when I watched it, I'll, I'll love to give you your answer, how much was it just him being him, like a Devontae Adams type, or was it miscommunications and poor play by the Packers defense? Well, that's a good question. I mean, the Packers played their zone. They played their safeties off. Um, you know, really, Justin Jefferson, if you look at the numbers, pro football focus, they'll tell you that he's much more effective against press man than he is against zone. But he found some big gaping holes in that zone. Some of it was miscommunication, and we were surprised because the defense has had a great camp and looked very dominant. And that first drive, 10 plays, 79 yards for Cousins and Jefferson, just kind of carved them up and set the tone for the rest of the day. Um, you know, I, I know there was some miscommunication. I know there were some blown coverages there, but that's also Justin Jefferson being Justin Jefferson, <laughs> and he is great. He's on his way to becoming the best receiver in football, barring injury, of course. You know, Wayne, I, I mean, obviously – we consider this a big game because of the history of it, and yet Rodgers has just dominated the game, and, and we played the cut on the way in. Um, you know, there was the I still own you moment uh, to a Bear fan, uh, yes, last year. Um, does that – is there ever an expiration date on something like that, do you think? I mean, people just get mad at him because he's been so dominant, and – and, my God, you know, he doesn't ever throw a pick against the Bears, and he never throws a pick after he loses a game. There's a couple of things at work here that are problematic if you're uh, Chicago. <laughs> yeah, I would say so, yeah. Um, you know, and, and Rodgers did not have uh, a Rodgers-like game last week. He was 22-34, 195 right. yards, no touchdowns, one interception. He lost a fumble. That's very unlike Aaron Rodgers, and he usually doesn't play – two games in a row like that. And so, um, you know, I would think he'd come out sharp. And I would think also the offense, Molly, in order to get some rhythm, they'll go to some quick passing, okay? On quick passes last week uh, in Minneapolis, he was 17 of 18, 117 yards. So, you know, he was really struggling under pressure where he was one of seven with an interception for just 28 yards. So I think they'll go to a quick passing game uh, if they can against this Bears uh, defense and they'll try to alleviate some of the pressure that might be coming from the pass rush. But mostly they'll do that to get the backs involved and get the offense into a rhythm. 
And as we're looking at it from the Bears' perspective, what we saw last week in, in a really, really sloppy game and monsoon-like conditions, we saw Justin Fields in the offense kind of wait until the second half against San Francisco before they started making a few plays. I'm wondering tonight, how is Green Bay's defense situated after what you saw last week? You know, it's not like Dalvin Cook had a huge day, but Kirk Cousins was efficient and comfortable. Dalvin Cook, they just the Vikings got enough from him in addition to the huge game from Justin Jefferson. I wonder for the the, the Bears can't be one dimensional tonight. So how effective did you see that Packers front seven be against the Vikings last week? Yeah, I, I think they've got to stoke it up a little bit. But you know, I was surprised, guys, in watching the game. And and you know, we we all try to put numbers into football, and numbers don't usually tell the story of how a football game went. I mean, the Packers actually had eight quarterback hits in that game. That's a good number. Um, they had 16 pressures on 32 dropbacks by Kirk Cousins. But Kirk Cousins was never, in my opinion, I didn't feel like he was ever threatened. He never had to get off of his spot, it didn't seem like. And, and when he was pressured a little bit, it seemed like he could always find a place to make a play. So, you know, I, I think that what you're seeing here tonight is the Packers are going to try to bring some pressure. But, you know, it can't be just pass rush by abandon. You know what I mean? You can't just fly up the field against Justin Fields. Because he'll make the first guy miss. And when he gets out on the flank of that defense, as he showed last week with those big plays he made for touchdowns, when he, when he comes off script, that's dangerous. And, and guys, you could tell me better than I can, but I don't think you really can practice that a whole lot. When the play breaks down and they're off script and it becomes street ball, that's hard. Uh, that's hard on your secondary. And that's where I saw Justin Fields making plays last week. That Bears defense was resourceful against San Francisco. Yeah, they got pushed around for three quarters. But you know what? San Francisco is sitting there with 10 points, and the Bears were within striking distance, and that's exactly how they won the game. Fields got it, came off script, hit a couple of big plays, and that was it. Yeah, unfortunately, we've seen Aaron Rodgers get off script against the Bears too many times. I don't like that. But going back to the defense, watching the film, a young player jumped out at me, Quay Walker, the first-round draft pick out of Georgia, yeah. I believe. What can you tell me about him, and what, what do you see in his future? He, I tell you what, this guy, he, he's fast, okay? Yes. He covers sideline to sideline, and he arrives at the ball in a bad mood. So, you know, we could even see it in training camp where they don't hit and drag you down to the ground and all that. When Quay Walker comes up on a, on a ball carrier, you feel it. He, that ball carrier feels the impact. I think the kid has a chance to be a star. Um, the Packers in my 24 years here have never had a linebacker who could run like this kid. Now, he's a rookie. Is he going to make mistakes? Of course he's going to. Do we know how good he's going to be? Well, hopefully he'll be healthy and he'll reach his peak, but um, he has the potential to be a great player here. And I think he's the fastest linebacker the Packers have ever had, in my opinion. Um, I, I was surprised. Well, I wasn't surprised, but a lot of a lot of uh... – Getsy love coming out of Green Bay. I mean, great comments from Matt LaFleur, from Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the Bears' new offensive coordinator uh, gets the backing of the team. It was nice to see, and he said some nice things back. Um, usually, I don't know, it's it's rare when guys leave with, uh, with that much uh, sort of uh, goodwill created. Oh, no question about it. You know, he's been here through a couple of different coaching regimes. Yep. Um, he's just, number one, he's a terrific guy. He's a terrific person. Okay, that's number one. Number two, he knows what he's doing. And, we, you know, I could see uh, his fingerprints all over that offense they were running last week. And I know they're working with uh, Justin Fields on, you know, his footwork and the different uh, fundamentals of the quarterback play. And, you know, as long as Getsy gets time with this quarterback, this kid, because he hits all the intangibles out of the ballpark, guys, this kid has a chance to be a really a real deal quarterback, okay? He has a chance to be a franchise quarterback if he doesn't get screwed up. Well, as long as they have Luke Getze there, I guarantee you he will not be screwed up. Um, I think the Bears have a real uh, keeper in this quarterback and a quarterback's coach who can bring the best out of him eventually. That's big-time praise from Wayne Larravee, no doubt about that. And certainly uh, a lot of the Bears fans listening hope that you are correct about that. And a lot of the Bears fans listening know that you and our guy Hub Arkish have been so close over the years since the, the time you were calling Bears games together many years ago. And you know we've been able to internally hear a little bit of, of positive and encouraging news there. And just wanted to, uh, you know, boss man Mitch Rosen reminded me of, of how close you and uh, and Hub have been for so long. Yeah. Just wanted to give you a moment to just kind of comment on your relationship with Hub and our, our hopefulness for his recovery. 
he is absolutely my best friend in the industry by by far. Um, you know, we work Pro Football Weekly, a syndicated, nationally syndicated radio show for uh, 25 years or more, and um, there's nobody I'd rather talk football with. Uh, he's just he's a tremendous person, a tremendous guy, and his family. Arthur, uh, his son, and, and you know the kids are just uh, just great people. Uh, this has been a very tough time for all of us. He's been in the hospital for over a month. Uh, the bypass surgery was successful, according to what uh, his wife Candace told me, and and uh, we're our prayers were answered in that regard. But there's a long road to hope uh, for Hub coming back from all of this, and, and our prayers continue to be with him and the family and everyone else. But um, he is an absolute treasure uh, on the football scene in the National Football League, not just Chicago. And uh, we pray for his uh, return to health. Uh, well said, no doubt about it. And I've been very fortunate to work with him for a while as well. And he's just, like you said, Wayne, he, you can talk football with that guy all day. And he loves it. And he's so knowledgeable. And he's just hopefully recovers quickly and, and everything is okay. But um, I guess I'll get back to the game a little bit after that. But you mentioned the off-schedule plays by Justin Fields, and that concerns you. Is there anything else while you're preparing for this Bears team that you're watching and saying, okay, this Packers team needs to look out for this? Yeah, well, you know, I, I think they're going to get Darnell Mooney on track uh, tonight. I, I really do. Three targets, that's not nearly enough. I understand they didn't throw many passes last week, but I think they're going to get that guy on track. Uh, they're going to try to get him going. And I also think that uh, David Montgomery is a guy the Packers defense has to be worried about. This is a known tackle breaker. Uh, I expected, I thought he would play um, a more prominent role in that game against San Francisco last week because he's the kind of guy you want to have in a mud bowl, you know, a guy who can just bounce off people and break tackles, that kind of thing. I think he's another guy they'll try to get on track here tonight. Um, Those are the two uh, keys that, that I think the Packers defense are concerned about. Wayne, thanks a ton. Great catching up with you. I, I'd wish you a great broadcast, but I know you're going to have one, so there's no point. Oh, God, Molly, God come bless on. you. <laughs> you're way too kind. You're way too kind. It's always hey, it's always a pleasure to be on with you guys, and, and all the best. Take care. Take care, Wayne. Thanks, that Wayne. Is, uh, Wayne Larravee, um, legend. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, no and daggers what, tonight, hopefully. <laughs> oh my right? God! Right. Yeah. That, well, let's hope there's no oh, dagger. I, again, I you know I think that the people in Green Bay are feeling awful good, and they are the Bears are a welcome opponent, and a Sunday night. I mean, it, doesn't it seem like every time we've watched the Bears get yeah. destroyed by Green Bay, it's on national television? <laughs> oh. It's like there's no hiding the embarrassments that have happened. So hopefully. This isn't the case. and uh, Even and like the Khalil Mack breakout game. Can we like, not yeah, talk about all this negative stuff lost. between they the Bears and the Packers, guys? We got, a new, we got a new regime here. Let's do all positive. Right, all right, all right. <laughs> I'm sick of yeah. the bad numbers going to Green Bay's way and all that. I'm just kidding. I'm with you. I'm with you, Pat. <laughs> we'll, we won't mention any numbers, but we'll, we'll keep a good thought. And, uh, hey, uh, we got Mark Rohde. Mark Rohde's going to jump on. We're going to talk about the inactives. Obviously, no Valus Jones. Not a surprise. He still has the hamstring. I don't know why he wasn't put on IR to start the season if he can't. Mm. We'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks, but uh, but who knows. All right, we'll bring in Mark next. It is uh, the pregame show here on The Score. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. That's that's the expectation. We we believe in that here, and that's the goal. So how do you achieve that goal? That's Green Bay's done a really good job in this division for a long time. So this is a, our first test at taking the North, and we're going to see where we're at. And um, we got to overcome this one. We got to play well. Um, and getting a victory is one step closer to getting this organization where it should be in terms of taking it. Oh, that's Ryan Poles. That is the architect of this team, and he was on WBBM, and he's uh, he meant it. Take the North. you got to start taking that North. So they're up North tonight at uh, past the Cheddar Curtain up in Green Bay, and uh, here's hoping we are delighted to welcome uh, a great man to the program. His name is Mark Grody, and uh, I think he has the proper footwear tonight. Uh, We will uh, ask him that in a second. He joins us on the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Grody time! Mark, how are you? I am doing well gentlemen and yes of course on this what has just turned into a beautiful night here at Lambeau Field and I am right on the Bears sideline right now I have waterproof shoes on a rain suit in my bag I have um, goggles just in case it's coming down so I am prepared for the weather that is not coming to Lambeau Field that's the way life works I, I should tell you guys Right before I came on, I w- there's there's so many Bears and Packers fans right now behind the, the Bears bench where I'm standing right now. There was a guy who told me that he is from Brazil, and he had the, the Brazilian accent to back it up, and he was wearing Brazilian soccer gear. And he told me, I don't think I've ever had this happen to me with anybody, he told me that he is here only to see Cairo Santos kick today because Cairo <laughs> Santos is from Brazil as well. I don't know if he saw the extra points last week, but he is here for Cairo Santos. Well, let me ask you that real quick then. How much of a concern is that this week with his misses last week and the conditions they had at Soldier Field? I got to tell you, Patrick, zero okay. for me. That's what I, yeah. And I, 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 there hasn't been any concern. You know, when we asked him about it, just kind of shaking his head. And, you know, there, there was – I think that there was some weather – that he had to deal with. I mean, this guy has just been so dependable. He is very good, and he has become very comfortable with Soldier Field and has learned all the little intricacies of Soldier Field. What looks like it might be sometimes is not in terms of the way the the wind is and the field is. So I think that Cairo Santos is just kind of kicking himself for that. So that for me, that's not a worry, and it, it has not really been much of a theme this this week. We are trying to... To, to keep the towels away from Trenton Gill, the punter, though. <laughs> now, the, the electricity that can be expected for any Sunday night football broadcast, there's a reason they put this Bears-Packers rivalry, uh, and I'll still call it a rivalry, even though Green Bay has dominated it for a while now, but there's a reason they put it on national TV. There's a reason it gets on Sunday night football, the number one show on television, season in, season out. Matt Eberflus didn't necessarily play into it or hype it up anymore with his own words but what's your sense being around the team as much as you are Groats for how the players engage with this rivalry because a lot of them are going to be wearing Bears uniforms for the first time at Lambeau yeah and anybody and and that even includes Matt Eberflus I don't expect any new Bears to really understand the rivalry until they've been a part of it quite frankly for a few years to where you really start to feel it and interestingly enough that you probably heard in just now, and that's because the Bears just came out on the field led by Justin Fields, or at least a bunch of offensive players just came out here. And Fields probably is the guy that says the most and feels the most about the rivalry. I mean, going back to last year, he likes the idea that a a new script can be written. I mean, that was kind of last year where the, the new guy coming in and they were hoping that, you know, the Bears would see you know, the, the, the new quarterback in the North. That obviously has not happened yet. Aaron Rodgers is still absolutely the guy, and, um, you know, Justin Fields is still a work in progress for sure. But, yeah, I mean, a, a 
bunch of the players were looking forward to, let's just put it this way, looking forward to seeing what Bears-Packers is like. So I think I'm going to have a better idea about that after this game and down the road. But just kind of watching a few of the players that came out here early and soaking it all in and just kind of feeling feeling the day. I talked to Tevin Jenkins, who has been here before, but he just talked about how wild it is outside of of uh, of Lambeau Field. And for people who haven't been here, I mean, it's just it's just very you know basic neighborhood. But everybody is either out on their porches, offering parking. It's just this very gentle, uh, collegiate sort of atmosphere around Lambeau Field. And I think that that. That sort of astounded the players coming in here more than anything. Yeah, that's uh, that's something, all right. You're getting um, me all excited, Grody. Yeah, so <laughs> good memories going up there and playing. Really, Pat? I mean, were people like flipping you off and yelling stuff? I mean, yeah, I don't but it was like a friendly it's... finger. You know what I mean? Okay. It was weird. It's a all Wisconsin right. finger. It was, uh, you know, yeah. we just we'd pull out and you get the single. If you won, when we won, you just get the little single. Finger salute. It's some booty like, cheeks on yeah, the bus it as was, you roll yeah, it. Yeah. It, was, it was a friendly. It was a friendly goodbye. Oh boy. Yeah. I. I mean. I. I just have been there too often. In. In like the. I, I got the cold and the misery and the the kind of Siberian winter of hell that the Packers <laughs> represent up there. It's just. And then that goofy band playing the Bear Still Suck Polka and oh, it's just. I mean, it's. You know, I'll say this, Mark. It's fun the first time you go, and you sit there and you're like, oh, my God, how did this get here? And then by about the second or third time, you're like, oh, my God, how did this get here? Like you have, you have a totally different tone from it. it hey, to, for me, it's, it's more like the second quarter of a game. It's like, oh, my God, what's going on here? Why is that quarterback destroying our quarterback? What is going on in this game? Because I've only I, I've only been here twice, and my my first game as a sideline reporter was 2018, where the Bears that was Mitchell Trubisky's debut. He drove all the way down the field, scored a touchdown, and we're all looking at each other like, "Wow, is this really what it is?" And then we all and then, you know Khalil Mack and Roquan Smith's first right. play is a dialed up blitz, and he he uh, he gets to Aaron Rodgers, and then eventually Rodgers is hurt, and then he comes back and spoils everybody's party in the second half. So yeah, it's usually somewhere around the second half of a game where Bears fans who are coming for the first time get the real dose of reality. Not of today. What kindly Wisconsinites. <laughs> not are. tonight. Oh, not today. Are you not predicting tonight. a Bears victory, my uh, friend? Listen to the end of the show. <laughs> oh, that's a tease. <laughs> All right, well, I love it. I got I a question it. for you, though. So, Alan Williams, the defensive coordinator, gets to face Aaron Rodgers this week, and hopefully, he gets to face him for a while now. What did he have to say about facing this quarterback? Well, I really loved, like, you know, I've been around a few defensive coordinators for the Bears and Sean Desai and Chuck Pagano and Vic Fangio, and I really loved what he said because he kind of admitted, look, you're not going to trick this guy or fool this guy or dial something up that he hasn't seen before. So his attitude is, you know, bread and butter. We're going to do what we do with our four guys up front and hopefully get pressure on him. He called him, you know, one, one thing that he I found that he really liked saying this week, Alan Williams, that is the Bears defensive coordinator, is that, that Aaron Rodgers is one of the great B-gap escape artists of all time, which he absolutely is. I mean, how many times has he just simply eluded what looked like is, was going to be a sack by a Bears player he gets out of the pocket, gets out of the trouble, and then just absolutely burns the Bears to one of his downfield guys or one of those frustrating plays to a tight end or whatever the case may be. So I really liked his there, – there was a conservative, respectful approach, and this doesn't mean that he doesn't have a couple of things lined up that might be out of the ordinary in terms of trying to get to Aaron Rodgers, but – this is a guy who, you know, Alan Williams, who respects what he does, and they're not going to try anything ridiculous to try to get them and get themselves burned like we've seen the Bears in the past. Real quick, Groats, uh, from Lucas Patrick. From last week, we saw him rotating at right guard. That's going to be the plan again tonight, but does it? do you get the sense that that snap hand is, is getting healthier? Is there any less bandages on it than there were last week? Yeah, that's... That's a great question. I've been asking the question to as many people as I possibly could, including Lucas Patrick himself. But the stock answer has been he's getting better. Uh, You know, we're hoping that, you know, down the road he'll be able to get that club removed. 
Um, I, you know, Lucas Patrick was out here a little bit earlier. I had not. He didn't. When I saw him, he did not have the club on it yet. I assume that he will because he's been practicing with it all week long. And I think we will see the the rotation again between Tevin Jenkins and Lucas Patrick at right guard. That's that's kind of what it's looking like right now. But we'll stand by and see if they're going to live up to that. Great stuff, Mark. Thank you, buddy. We look forward to uh, to hearing your your tales. Bye, of, guys. Uh, Have a great game. We'll see you. See you, right, buddy. Yeah, tell tell that Brazilian guy to go watch uh, <laughs> Joga Bonito, whatever the hell they call it. It's like a college town. There, there's yeah. not another oh, NFL yeah. city. That's more like a college town than Green Bay, Wisconsin. It, it does have very, very like Big Ten football kind of vibes to it when you go there. Oh, one hundred percent. You know, you pay an extra ten dollars to use somebody's bathroom if you park right. in the front yard. Yeah. <laughs> Different things like that, and just seeing all the tailgates, the the RVs. One thing we would do after the game, um, I did it. After the game, after we'd win, I'd go to one of the RVs and beg for beers from, from people oh, awesome. and put them in a garbage bag and bring them in our bus for our, for our, for our awesome. drive to the, uh, to the airplane just to kind of celebrate a little bit. And they'd be like, wait, aren't you a player? I'm like, yeah, but can, can I get some for the They're like, oh, here you go. Here's some whatever and some old styles or whatever and take those with me. There's some long snapper IPAs. Not, yeah, that was, yeah, that was now, – now I can get those. <laughs> you know, Buffalo is a small town, right? right. And, and that's right. probably the – second smallest place uh in the league but but that's even a different vibe than this place yes. there's nothing there's really nothing like this in sports i can't think of any place that is as kind of unusual as the green bay packers and you know obviously it's owned by the fans so they're not going to move it anytime soon even though You'd love if you were a player to want to live in civilization, right? Who wants to go there? <laughs> yeah, Siberia is the word that most folks around the league have always used to describe Green yeah, Bay as well. Yeah. So that was probably an apt comparison that you make there. And, I mean, you mentioned it being owned by the fans. They, that's one of the ways and one of the reasons, even the stadium itself. I mean, it, they constantly upgrade yeah. Yeah. Lambeau Field like it's a museum or like it's a college football stadium, like these college facilities. You know, they're just yeah. always finding different reasons to pour more money into them. They do the same thing with Lambeau, man. The place looks awesome. We have all our discussions and debates and disagreements about what happens with Soldier Field here in Chicago and why the Bears need to move up north and everything else. Green Bay, man, they just keep pouring money into it nonstop. And that, that place, guys, it just has a different feel in there on game day compared to other stadiums. I don't know what it is. I mean, you could hear it in the background with Grody. It almost right. sounded like somebody was playing music or playing fake, you know, fake noise back there. It just, even in pregame like that, this, this early before the game, it seems yeah. like the fans come from their tailgating into the stadium a little earlier, and it's just got that vibe and, and feel of just a different energy and I don't know if it is because it's the Bears-Packers when I was there, but it just has a different feel, and it's a special place. And I, I honestly, that's my favorite place to play that was not Soldier Field. I loved going up there and playing just because of that interaction. You see a bunch of Bears jerseys in the fan stands. You obviously see a bunch of Packers jerseys. But that's just that, you know, the you know husband-wife sitting next to each other, one wearing a Packers jersey, one wearing a Bears jersey. And there's just a different vibe in there. It's just a great energy and a fun place to play. It's and so I hate parochial. saying that, though. <laughs> it, it is yeah. so parochial. It's so regional. The, the, the fanaticism that's there is, you know, it's not like folks move to Green Bay. You know, <laughs> right. you, you grew up in it and you have your stock in the team there. Right. Every other NFL city, even to a certain extent, Buffalo. Buffalo is certainly more urban than Green Bay, but you, you have a lot of transplants in the other towns around the National Football League. Green Bay, you grow up in it, man. It is just different. The, the one season I spent there as a player, was just it was a different vibe. And you, you mentioned that the Bears suck polka. Yeah. They were shocked. I didn't even know what the thing was, man. I did a radio show one night in 01, my rookie year when I was in Green Bay, and they played that song. And, you know, they were talking about me being from Chicago and everything. And they played that song. They were assuming that I, like, had it on a loop in my head. I never heard this damn song before. I'm not from Green Bay. But it, the, the fans are still passionate about it, even as much as their team has controlled it lately one of the amazing things i used to go up there for training camp every year and spend a day and just talk to everybody do my little tour of of the uh of the league and i mean the little kids with the bikes that the players would ride the bike and the little kid would run after him with that, that was like as heartwarming as mm. warming as anything i've seen in the nfl that was a beautiful thing yeah it's just cool traditions i mean that's a cool yeah. tradition they have yeah. and you, you build that over time and 
what a neat way to interact with kids. And I, I was not even say jealous of it, but I was like, that's a really cool way to have your fans mm-hmm. be able to grab, you know, a bike with Aaron Rodgers, a bike with whoever, just somebody, and just <laughs> get a real interaction with somebody. And that is pretty neat, neat tradition they have. Jeez, I wish they'd stop the neat tradition of quarterbacks. Yes, <laughs> let's that's hope over. it happens tonight. We're starting Jordan our Love new one. I'm telling you, yeah. we're starting this. We're re- rewriting this rivalry. Right. <laughs> Take the north. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we will be right back here on the pregame show. It's getting close to time to yes, make our picks here on the score. Yeah, and uh, did you miss Club Dub? Yeah, I, mean, I thought we still had it. I thought that was a Bears organization thing. I didn't know that was something that the old staff did, but I'm definitely going to try to work some something out to get Club Dub back because we didn't have no music. We didn't have the juice. We didn't cut the lights off and with the strobe lights. We got to bring all that back. Oh, that's hilarious. So did you go in there ready to dance and then you're <laughs> yeah, like disappointed? I'm, I'm t- I was talking to the cameras, talking about Club Dub, telling everybody 21 and older. There and it's them collecting the uniforms in the soda pad. There wasn't no music, lights were still on. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I was a little lost. I thought everybody had clubbed up. <laughs> oh, yes, we are back here on the pregame show, and that is the voice of Jalen Johnson. And he didn't know that Club Dub was a Matt Nagy thing. He was looking forward to some uh, some partying and some happiness. And lo and behold, <laughs> he comes into the locker room and none, none of that's going on. Uh, pretty funny to hear him uh, respond to that. I I don't want him to bring it back because this is a new era and that is a uh, – that is a Matt Nagy thing. Although Nagy got it supposedly from Joe Madden, right? So I guess it's uh, it's a baseball thing. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> that was pretty funny to hear him with uh, Spiegel and Parkins. That was very, very amusing. I was kind of shocked he didn't know that. Like that he thought it was a Bears organ. I mean, because Nagy always talked about Club Dub. Yeah. But here's the thing. It's got to happen organic with this new regime. You know, you, you watch, uh, I think there were highlights last week of Mike Tomlin doing the A-B dance. You yeah. know, so the te- yeah. the team's dancing. There's some teams do it, some teams don't. Um, I don't think we were a big dancing locker room. Some some parts of the locker room would do that, but it wouldn't be a whole team thing. And I think that's something as you're building your culture, as you're building your team, it just becomes organic. Something might happen after one win. Maybe, maybe it's after this big win. Something happens, and then that becomes something. Like we we played dodgeball in our locker room. I think people have heard that story before on Saturdays, <laughs> and that wasn't always happening. Yeah. But we went out and. Played dodgeball on a Saturday, got yelled at by Lovey, went out and think beat Tennessee 44 to 10. That next Saturday, we're like, what are we doing? And Urlacher's like, we're playing dodgeball again. So that's just something we continue to do every Saturday after our walkthroughs. But I think that's the, the stuff that just happens naturally when you get new teams and new players and everybody comes together. Yeah, the, the best traditions tend to be something that just happens organically. Yeah, sure. You know, that just sort of springs out of you know, the, the emotions of a moment or whatever. And it, it does feel like that is, you know, we, we associate clubbed up even more with Matt Nagy yeah. in this town than we do with Joe Madden at this point. I'd even forgotten that until you mentioned it, uh, Mully. But, yeah, he, he actually did say that he got that from Joe Madden because of what they were doing at Wrigley in the Cubs clubhouse. It's very true. But, you know, I think that in the end, because Matt Eberflus, his personality is certainly more understated than than Matt Nagy's. And he is just such a – he's such a guy who you can tell he's been preparing for all of this for so long, but about, like, yeah. the business of it. Yeah. And how you how do you you know kind of coach guys into winning and everything else? And I suppose he he was even asked about it. The media asked Matt Eberflus about it last week. Like, so what do you do after a win? How do you celebrate? They were asking him after the game. He said, you know what? Just go home and like chill with my family. Just be regular <laughs> for a little while. That's yeah. the best thing he could come up with in the moment. Um. Okay. So let's talk about let's talk about what to what to expect in terms of the improvement of a young team. You know, we look at this game. And obviously, wins and losses are, are all that matters in the NFL. And that's how you determine if a team is good or bad. But I thought it was interesting. George McCaskey was asked about how, you know, what are you looking for from this year uh, before the, the first game of the season? And he basically said that all the things that Eberflus has emphasized, you know, the discipline and uh, takeaways, going for the ball, the three and outs, getting the run game going, he, he said – minimizing mistakes, he said that to him is a good gauge of where they're going each week. Are they improving each week? Um, You know, I I think that's a low bar, but it is a bar of some sort. How do – are we looking only at the record? Are we looking only at whether they beat the Green Bay Packers tonight or are we looking for uh, some sort of noble loss? I I don't know how you term it. I'm not looking at the record yet. Um, and I, I think that 
because the the victory was seized week one, and to yeah. some extent the opponent kind of gave you the victory week one, but that that's life in the NFL, and that's how the the razor's edge of how these games end up being determined, and that's where you know I was even talking about it a bit. During the preseason, I was on with my guy Luke Canellis after some of the Bears preseason games. I'll do the same thing when I'm on Bears post game live tonight after the game is over. And you can at least, because we've seen so many undisciplined moments from the Bears in recent years, and, and especially at critical times, man, like critical junctures in games where just boneheaded things would happen, yep. and even moments that didn't necessarily lead to penalties, just getting out of the huddle slow. And, and not running an offense that suits your personnel and, and, you know, coming out of a timeout and still looking disorganized to be organized, to be disciplined, to to be in repetitive habits and, and have them become muscle memory. Th- those are things that that can at least keep you competitive, that can lead to wins in the NFL to see that established. You know, there's a, because so many of the games are, are close and hotly contested at this level. It's huge to have that be a part of your culture. And you look at the Miami Dolphins, man. That, that's an example where I, I would certainly hope we're not into like year four or five or however long two has been in Miami and they've finally surrounded him with some talent. You're seeing some of the returns on those investments. You know, I don't want it to be several years from now before you know we really see whether or not Justin Field has the chance to flourish because he's surrounded by more playmakers. But that being said, you, you could you could make the case that they had at least begun establishing a culture, and now you got an offensive coach to come in there, and they spent some money on some talent, and now the Dolphins look like a team that's got some real potential. But a baseline had to be established first, and I, I do think that the baseline of culture, the baseline of discipline, and proper winning habits, all those things end up mattering if you really want to build something sustainable here. So for me, it's not it's not the win loss aspect of it this season. I, I do want to see though. Can what we saw that led to victory, some of those intangibles that led to victory in week one, the mental and emotional aspect of that win we saw last week, can that be carried over? Can that be sustained throughout this season? It, 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 it's one of those things that kind of sounds like a low bar, but it doesn't feel like it's low bar to me because we haven't seen the Bears doing those winning habits in recent years. Yeah, and I agree with all those points. And Let me add a couple on my end is, when I'm going to evaluate this team, I'm going to look at the young players. So that way I can evaluate Ryan Poles. I can evaluate the coaches. How right. are these guys developing? How are they playing from week to week to week? Are they yes. not making the same mistake? Can we see you know, Dominique Robinson, uh, Kyler Gordon, Brisker, these guys take steps every week and eliminate some of the – You know, we saw Gordon and Brisker last week You know, mess up on some coverages. Can they mm-hmm. cut those out? Can they continue to make plays? Can they continue to recover fumbles? I want to see that because that's the big evaluation of Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus and his staff. So that tells you that you've, you've brought in the right people for, for, for this organization. And then the other one, and we saw it with Matt Nagy a lot, I thought, too many times, was in-game decisions, game hmm. management. You know, Last week, Matt Eberflus and his staff, they didn't have any of these you know, opportunities to really show how they're going to deal with a difficult situation, a fourth and five and kick a 64-yard field goal or something like that. So I think going forward, that's another way to evaluate a coaching staff. Are they competent? Are they making the right decisions? Are they going for two at the right time? Are they going for it on fourth down? Um, Can they handle two minutes at the half and two minutes at the end of the game? That's another evaluation. I want to see that happen and see how they deal with that. So those are two other ways to, to expand on what you said. Uh, of how to evaluate this team without the wins and losses. I think the wins and losses are important. Obviously, that's the number one thing, but we all know this team does not have the talent that these other teams have. Just when you line them up against the Green Bay Packers, you line them up against the 49ers these past two weeks, they don't have the talent yet. So can they develop the talent, and can they have good in-game decisions by the coaches and good game management? In the end, it's great. It's great if there's more wins that come despite that right. but just evaluating the personnel itself it doesn't feel like there's enough playmakers yet to expect yeah. a whole lot of wins this year but how do you evaluate whether or not there's progress being made through the lens of not having an ample amount of playmakers available especially at the offensive skill positions there's still ways to see progress in the midst of that mm-hmm. I, i'm glad you mentioned dominic robinson because i think we spent a lot of time last week Talking about which of the uh, which of the rookie class were we most interested in, kind of seeing and looking at the development of, I don't know that his name came up that much, and and part of that is because he is such an inexperienced player. I, I mean that guy has only played a total of seventeen games as a defensive end in his life. 
I, you know, not just in the <laughs> obviously one game in the NFL, but only 16 games through Kalev as a quarterback. He switched positions a couple times and winds up as a defensive end. And I mean, he is just kind of like an an empty slate with these great athletic abilities. And you know, who knows how good you could get a guy like that to be if that is transferable from from the limited amount of experience he has as a, as a defensive end. Anthony, I can't talk about his play, and I want to get your answer here, but what I saw on film and what I saw when watching it live and then afterwards, this is just this simple. The kid fits in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He's an NFLer already. He, I, was, I was shocked at how comfortable he looked out there, and I'd love to get your breakdown of his play, but I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I just watching him play last week, I'm like, wait a minute, this guy's already ready, and I didn't think he would be. I, I couldn't agree more, man, and, and the – the traits that are there, it's one thing to draft towards traits. You know, he's 6'5", he's 250, yeah. he runs like a deer, he seems to have, you know, ample just like just kind of raw horsepower to be able to put force in the blocks, but he hadn't really done it a lot before, to Mully's point. And so can you take those traits and develop those? Can those traits be transferable to actual success at this level? And one thing that we're seeing with these young guys, because it's one thing where immediately – when they draft uh, Jaquan Briscoe, like, okay, they drafted a starter. Immediately when they draft Gordon, like, all right, they drafted a starter. Maybe with Valus Jones, thinking, okay, well, all right, is he a, an immediate starter at receiver? But maybe not, but he'll have a starting capacity. With the first three draft picks, those are guys who are going to contribute right away. And then from there, it's kind of thinking, all right, maybe these are just all kind of reaches and developmental and maybe, maybe not. Right away, Braxton Jones, they said, this is a guy who we think is a starting left tackle for the Chicago Bears. And they do it, and they treat him like a starter. He's getting pulled from preseason games with the first unit. (laughs) They're not treating him as a developmental talent. And the same thing now with Dominique Robinson, where he's in the first game. I I don't know who would have had money on anything to say the first sack of the season would have been on an inside counter move from Dominique Robinson, but the Bears' first sack of the season on an inside counter move was this dude they drafted in the late rounds that played quarterback for most of the time in college. So they're they're drafting traits, but they're not just treating them like these developmental pieces that have to be eased into the lineup. Part of that is certainly because these are young athletes who, who are earning these opportunities. Braxton Jones played well enough to be the starting left tackle, but they're not like protecting him. Dominique Robinson wasn't just a situational third down guy. He was getting extensive snaps in the first game, not just off one edge. They were moving him around. There's faith that these guys have earned and that they're just kind of feeding them to the fire. But it, it seems like there's a confidence and a faith that be, because they've earned it, they're willing to give them more extensive opportunities. And I would have anticipated they were giving these late round picks as we were getting into the preseason. Yeah, I, right. yeah, I, I agree with all that. And then the one thing too, the guys tonight, you know, week one was week one. And I talked about the growth of these players, yep. the two guys in the defensive backfield, they've got a test. They've got Aaron Rodgers yes. today. This is, this is one of the best yep. of the best to ever play the game. And let's see what he does against these rookies, and I hope they can end, uh, hold up. And, and, I mean, if you really watch the tape, I think there were two different plays where Kyler Gordon let a guy go behind him and, and, uh, and Jaquan uh, Brisker have the exact same problem one time. So that's three potential touchdowns. Mercifully, the Packers are going to drop those passes, so there's <laughs> nothing to worry about. Yep. <laughs> That's the plan. That's the plan. Right, make them just make, make, get burned and make them drop the pass. That's it. <laughs> there you go. Then he'll, get, then he'll get more frustrated and yell at the receivers. There we go. There we go. I it'll like all it. be beautiful. All right. We've got uh, the great Dan Pompey, and we're going to make our picks. They're out there. We're going for the upset. At least someone should. We'll, uh, we'll talk to Dan Pompey next here on the pregame show. Falling into that trap to say they don't have a number one, really. It's, we've just trying to, we try to tell the guys, uh, don't drink the Kool-Aid of what the media is trying to sell, that there's gloom and doom in Green Bay. Don't fall into that trap. So that, that is the first message. And then the quarterback, don't underestimate the power of great leadership. He is a great leader, and he will get those guys into shape. So, again, what we're doing is trying to block out everything else and focus in on the task at hand, which is improving each week, follow the process, stay the course,
course, keep worrying about, hey, this is the next football game, not necessarily the Super Bowl or anything else like that. We need to take care of ourselves and our business and what we need to do and who they are and what they're doing. We're back with more of the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook pregame show on Sports Radio 670 The Score with Molly, Patrick Manley, and Anthony Heron. Brought to you by Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook app today. My goodness, that, of course, Alan uh, Williams, the Bears defensive coordinator, and uh, not buying into the Kool-Aid, that's uh, that's good. Uh, we are delighted to welcome in the great Dan Pompey. His name is writ in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he joins us on the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Dan, how are you? I'm great. I'm not buying into the Kool-Aid either, although I might buy into a long snapper IPA, but that's about it. You, you know what you got I like your style. Yeah, buy into buy into a Zing Zang, the 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 new Zing Zang Bloody Mary canned cocktails with premium vodka already in the can. They're always ready, perfect for your game day tailgate. And please Zing Zang responsibly, Dan. Um, ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. There you go. Now help us out here. Um, it's an extraordinary uh, statistic, but when Eddie Jackson has an interception, the Bears are 11 and 0. Sadly, he didn't have one for 31 games, but he got one last week, and of course, it was a victory. Uh, Rogers going to throw the ball up for grabs again this week. Is it going to be a uh, finally a uh, an interception for Eddie Jackson? Well, you know that's an interesting statistic, and you know you wonder if there's a little chicken or egg factor in in that too. Uh, but clearly, you know, I, I think. Um, the Bears do well when, when Eddie Jackson has done well. Uh, it, and, you know, you, you cannot refute that going back to 2018. Uh, whether or not he's going to have that kind of success against the premier quarterback in the, uh, the NFC is another, another matter. You know, he's not going against Trey Lance this week. But that, that being said, I mean, Eddie Jackson made a great play last week. You know, I mean, uh, that wasn't like an awful throw that, that was in his hands or something. He went and got the football. So we'll see what happens this week. I think, you know, when you start to have those kinds of plays, sometimes it leads to more of those kinds of plays. You start to perform with more confidence and you take more calculated risks and you get good results. What's your sense, just one game in, Dan, for how, how encouraging the fact that they won last week's game is because you know in totality winning is of course the goal while in actuality the 49ers did outplay the bears for a lot of that game in very important areas like the line of scrimmage on each side of the ball and you know it's, it's not like justin fields lit it up throughout the entire game and especially the scripted plays didn't always go as they had hoped and you know there, there were a lot of elements where you look at it and say san francisco outperformed the bears but the bears won so what, what do you take from what we saw in week one well, I think uh, week one in the NFL, generally speaking, is the week when a lot of lies are told. And I think week two is when you start to get some truth told. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, we have to kind of take a little bit what happened last week, I think, with a grain of salt in terms of what it means for the big picture and the rest of the season. And, uh, you know, let's see if what we saw last week is confirmed tonight or it's refuted tonight by how the Bears perform. Um, you know, it's obviously going to be a much stiffer challenge on the road against the Packers, against Rodgers, you know, all, all the things. I mean, they're going against a team that they haven't beaten up there since 2015, you know. So um, th- this is a true test of if the Bears have made much progress since last season. Well, let me ask you that question about the Packers then. Because last week they go to Minnesota and they get beat and they did not look good at all. Same thing last year when they went to the Saints, I believe it was, and they came back and got to figure it out, but they don't have Devontae Adams. How concerned are you about the Packers? Do you think they can right the wrong from last week and that they are one of the top teams, if not the top team in the NFC North? Yeah, I kind of do believe that they are. Patrick, I think, you know, until they prove otherwise over time, this does feel a little bit like the start of 2021 when 
you know, they lost to the Saints 38-3 to to open the season. Then they came back the next week and uh, beat the Lions 35-17 to and then went on a streak of, uh, what it, one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, seven straight wins. So, um, you know, are, are they as good as they were last season when they had Devontae Adams? Probably not. Uh, but are they still better than almost any other team in, in the NFL? Probably, you know, they they, uh, they they still are pretty loaded. Obviously, they're, they're getting some players back tonight, and they still don't have uh, one of the best offensive linemen in the league out there in, in David Bakhtiari. But I think, uh, you know, getting Alan Lazard is going to help them a little bit. Uh, getting Elton Jenkins is going to help them a little bit. And certainly, you know, they're, they're happy to have John Runyon in there as well. I've been generally impressed with how organized Matt Eberflus is and how he's gotten people to buy into his program, etc. But, my God, seeing the, uh, the state of the Colts without him impresses me even more. They've fallen apart completely. They, they lost to Jacksonville. That's what they do. After drawing with Houston, the, the flusy uh, magic is missing. <laughs> Uh, I, I thought you were going to credit it to uh, uh, to Carson Wentz being gone. You credit it to, <laughs> to Flus being gone. Uh, you know, I think uh, they're kind of a, a very puzzling team so far after after two games. And you know, they're a team that kind of confirmed what you saw in Week One and Week Two, right? With this terrible loss to Jacksonville. And uh, you know, I, I still think the Colts are a team that. Uh, can kind of put it together and turn it around because they've got talent and I think the coaching is still good. Uh, you know, I, I don't think you, you blame that on the on the new defensive staff or the you know the tweaks they've made on defense, but they've obviously got a lot of things they aren't doing very well right now for them to be uh, you know upset badly in this game and then to tie against the Texans in another game they were supposed to win. From a Bears perspective, Dan, I want to uh, I want to ask you one of these either or questions that that most of us don't like having to answer. But I'm intrigued by both Dominique Robinson and Braxton Jones, and now they're each just one game into their NFL career, and each appear to be a fifth round find uh, when when you're looking at the potential that could be there. One of them's a starter, obviously at left tackle for the Bears. D- does either one intrigue you just in the regard for? for two key positions, a pass rusher and a left tackle. Those are positions that you want to be elite for your franchise, and each are having big roles already as a fifth-round pick. I'm wondering, does either one maybe intrigue you more or even show more of an upside as you view it? Yeah, I think they they both really intrigue me. I guess I would say, uh, you know, Dominique Robinson might intrigue me a little bit more just because he's so green. He's got such little experience at the position that you would suspect that maybe he has more room for growth based on what we've seen so far. Um, he obviously has instincts. I think he has, you know, a mind for the game. And then he's got this really uh, a special athleticism on top of all that. Uh, so, you know, that one, that one does intrigue me. And I think, you know, traditionally we do see pass rushers come from later in the draft more frequently than we see great left tackles. And that doesn't necessarily mean that these guys will follow that trend. But I think, you know, if you look throughout history, you see guys like Richard Dent who came out of nowhere. And, uh, you know, you don't see that as frequently uh, with the great left tackles. Dan, I want to go back to Matt Eberflus and what he's brought here to Chicago. I know you've interviewed millions of coaches and millions of players over your long career of, of, of doing this. And he came in with the HITS philosophy and the acronym. And some people on the radio here and some people around Chicago are like, oh, no, another acronym and all this kind of stuff. But what are your thoughts about when coaches bring in something like that? It just, to me, it simplifies the message for the players to understand. And maybe what's your thoughts of this and how it works with other coaches that have maybe done this, this kind of, or gone about it this kind of way? Yeah, like you say, Pat, the the important thing is that he gets his message across. You know, how he does it, um, you know, we, we could sit here at the, from the outside and criticize it or laugh at it mm-hmm. or whatever, but if it's getting through to the players, that's all that matters. And, you know, the early returns are that, that it is getting through to the players and they're understanding what he wants them to do and, and they're, they're going out and doing it for the most part. So, 
uh, you know, credit to him for finding a way to uh, to connect. And uh, you know, it's one of the most, maybe the most important part of being a coach is just to be able to communicate and to reach people. And I think sometimes that's lost a little bit. You know, we, there's so many different elements of the job that you think about uh, that, that can make or break a coach. But, you know, unless you have that, that communication element, that ability to reach people, you, you have no chance. And uh, Matt Eberflus, I believe, has that. All right, Dan, we're going to go around the horn here. Who do you like in this game, and, uh, and what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I think it's going to be a tough one for the Bears guys. You know, um, I think, um, you know, the, the Bears aren't likely to get 12 penalties from the Packers this week as they did last week, and uh, I think Aaron Rodgers will probably be on his game, and I see the Packers winning 27-13. to 13. What about you, Pat? Oh, man. Uh, I wanted to go last, but that's okay. You know where I'm going with this one. I, 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 you know, I sit there and I break down the tape all week and see all these mismatches on kind of both sides of the ball a little bit, but then the old bear in me comes out, and I just can't see them going up there and losing. I think there, uh, something's going to happen. I think this hits philosophy is truly going to take hold. I see three takeaways, and I think one's going to be an interception, and it's going to go to Eddie Jackson. It'll be you know, 12-0 for the Bears. No, I just I, – I just, I hope they can keep this hits philosophy going and get the turnovers. That's the only way they're going to win these games because right now they just don't have the talent. But I see tonight that happening. I just have to believe in that 24-17 Bears. I'm in a little bit more wait-and-see mode. I love the the beginnings of the hits principle and what it meant last week to the game, the discipline of being, you know, having few penalties. That matters in the NFL. It keeps you in games to be disciplined, to be organized, all those things that we're seeing here early on. And the Packers don't overwhelm you right now what we see in their wide receivers and playmakers. They do have, like like Patrick mentioned earlier, maybe the best combination of running backs in the NFL. And the Bears struggled at times last week in trying to control San Francisco's rushing attack. So we'll, we'll see what that ends up meaning tonight. But I think in the end it's going to mean Aaron Rodgers is going to rebound as he's done, what, the last nine times. And between the run game and Rodgers finding a few plays in the passing attack, I do think it's going to be a game. Green Bay is going to come out on top. I will call it. 24 to 13. Yeah, it, it, it is, you know, it's traumatic if you've watched all these games to feel any differently. And Pat, God bless you. I appreciate what you, what you did there. Uh, <laughs> but I, I also think that it's just going to be a difficult task. And Dan, when, when we think about the Bears and their defense, you know, they did, they, they, they don't necessarily stop the run that defense is not designed to be kind of a run-stopping defense, and I think the danger here is that those two running backs you talked about and hearing all the things that were said, that that, that could be uh, something where you're trying to load up the box to stop the run, and then you get beaten deep time or two. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think um, th- that is the biggest, the biggest uh, concern for the Bears' defense in this game, and then you know, the minute you pay too much attention to the run, of course, you know, you, you risk the, the uh, possibility of Aaron Rodgers killing you. And, you know, the other thing, too, I mean, does anyone really think the Packers are going to have the same kind of defensive breakdowns this week that they had last week? I mean, that's, that's a pretty good defense, talented veteran defense that normally does not play that way. Great stuff, Dan. Thank you, buddy. Great catching up with you. We appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan. All right, guys. Well, here's hoping. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I love I, I I love your optimism. Patrick. I'll see you at the post game, Molly. I'll see right. you at the post game. I, right. I hope we're celebrating that in the post game. We're uh, we're done with this. We've done all we could do. Now let's just hope that the uh, the the football gods. Mark Grody called in and said, "There's a light rain. We know the Bears unbeaten in the rain." <laughs> So here's hoping it gets heavier, and uh, and we will be here. We'll be right back the minute the game ends. Come right back here. Go watch the game, but don't forget to tune in for the post game, and and uh, and we will be doing that next. So here's hoping, guys. Good luck to all. <laughs> here's hoping the Bears can win a game again. Well, no one thought they'd win the first one. Bears. All right, that's our free, that's our free game show. It is uh, it's the score pregame. Week two, here's hoping. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 